From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, in the heart of Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. It's a joy to welcome you today. This is Thursday, and we're just thankful to the Lord for the privilege to be right here at this time every day, five days a week, and look forward to many, many of you joining us, and thankful to the Lord that I hear from you as well. Yesterday, several uh, responses, and uh, we're just thankful for every single time that somebody takes the time to sit down and write a note. And uh, let me just tell you that if you'll do that, I'll be glad to provide you with a brief gift subscription to our newspaper, The Sword of the Lord. It's yours just for the asking. I'll send it to you for a few months and glad to do so. I think you'll find it to be greatly helpful. Do get on our website at swordofthelord.com and check us out. Now, let's get right to our study today. This is actually study number 18 in the Psalm 37 series. We've been looking at this just one step at a time. First of all, we went through and dealt with every single point. I'm talking about bullet points, things that are just powerful principles. And then we started really looking at how they all tie together. In fact, everything that was said about the unsaved person, the person out in the world. And now this week, we're looking at what I'm calling an incredible case study, showing the person who walks with the Lord and how they respond to the things that the Lord wants of them. And we're looking today, starting at verse number 23, where the Bible has that very, very familiar passage talking about the steps of a good man being ordered by the Lord. And without going into all of the details of that bullet point, let me just make one basic statement here that really puts a perspective on the case study, the biography of this godly man. He takes instruction from the right source. He is not looking to the world. He is not chasing off into some liberal university. He is not going to some entertainment center. He's not checking out some wild-eyed liberal book. But instead, he is listening to whatever the Lord has to say. Now, you know, the other crowd, the worldly crowd, the humanist crowd, the atheist crowd, they do write books. And they do have radio programs and television programs, and they have all kinds of their, what I'll just call garbage, on the Internet. So it's all accessible, and you can delve into that, I mean, at any hour of the day or night. The devil provides all kinds of things that I don't need and you don't need, none of us need. And we have a choice to make. We can listen to that worldly crowd that is lined up with the devil himself— or we can listen to the Lord. And the Bible calls this particular man a good man. Now, we understand there are other places in the Bible where it tells us that nobody's good. Well, we're not. We don't have any goodness at all until we have tapped into the goodness of the Lord. And then there are good things that accrue to us. We do have good things that develop in our life because of the goodness of the Lord. It is not because we are so good at nature and at heart, but because the Lord in His goodness corrects us, He chastens us, He provides for us every single instruction that we need every step of the way so that we can clean up our act, we can begin to look like something other than what we once were, 
and we can be something very special. You'll remember that uh, one of the passages in the New Testament says, and after listing all kinds of ungodly things, says, and such were some of you, meaning that there is a past, there is a life back there that is not what you are now if you are a Christian. And so you and I need to look at that as well, and I'm guessing that today I'm talking to any number of people who, when you think about it, you reflect on your past, and you really do not want to be today what you were back then. And I'm telling you, the Lord, by His grace and goodness, allows us to be something other than what we used to be. He lets us have a past, but He puts it in the past. And I'm guessing, again, that some of you haven't quite gotten over your past. You're struggling with forgiving yourself as much as God has forgiven you. But if you've come to Christ, He does forgive, and He does put it all behind you and all in the past. And even though there may be some baggage that goes with that, you and I do not have to just drag along the memories and other things like that. We need to be looking to the future and living today and living in the really overflow of God's goodness, all of the special things that he provides for us. And you can get over whatever happened back then, and you can be something special today. And I'm telling you, the way to do that is to allow the Lord to order your steps. The man who is going to become a godly man, the man who is going to do what the eternal principles of God say that we should do, that man, that woman, that person, that young person, boy or girl, whoever it is, that person needs to listen carefully and take instruction from the Lord. It does matter what classroom you sit in, dear friend. Over the years in working on uh, my own educational pursuits, college and graduate school and other things that I did through the years, I uh, sometimes was uh, mandated to sit in classes that uh, I would not recommend anybody sit in. And uh, really, I look back on those now, and uh, I reflect on them, and you know what I do? I put it in the past. I put it back there. I can recall some of the trashy garbage things that were presented to me in the classroom. I can recall them very clearly, but I do it so rarely because that's not where I want to live. I want to live on the really good things that God has given along the way. And all of that trashy stuff that came from humanist educators, from atheistic philosophers, etc., I don't want to build on that. I do not think it does me well. And so I'm just simply saying to you, dear friend, when you're building the biography that you want to build, remember you're going to need to get your instruction from the Lord. Now, let's look down just a little bit further at verse 26 and look at the third part of that verse where it says, And his seed is blessed. Now, it's talking about the good man, the godly man. And when it talks about his seed, it's talking about his offspring, talking about his children, his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, etc. And it said, they too will be blessed. Now, what I am looking at here is what I call the generational effect. There is a generational effect that goes whichever route you take in your life. If you take that worldly route, you're going to drag your children and grandchildren all the way down to hell. You're going to drag them through the muck and the mire and the trash of this world. And in so doing, ultimately, many of them are going to miss heaven. Many of them are going to wind up in the hot place because you didn't get your act together. Now, on the other hand, when this Bible tells me that the man who takes his instruction from the Lord 
and walks the walk that he ought to walk, his offspring are going to be blessed. That is, they will get the benefit of having him as a dad, having him as a granddad, having him as a mentor in their life. And every one of us, I mean, aside from whatever influence we have out in town, whatever influence we have with our business associates or whomever, whatever other influence we have, we need to understand we have influence with our family. And just being in the same house means we have an impact on the people there. It may be good or it may be bad, but we need to figure out which route we want to go. And if we listen to the Lord, we'll be building generation after generation and providing good things. Listen, I've been so blessed getting started early and serving the Lord. I've been so blessed by that. And I'm going to tell you, some folks may howl about the ministry. They may howl about, you know, how all the pressure they get from being a Christian. The Lord's been mighty good to me. I mean, I've just been grateful that I have the privilege to serve the Lord and to live in the Christian arena. I love that, and I thank God for it. And it's been a blessing to me every step of the way. Now, the fact is, there are pressures and there are difficulties. But the Lord helps us all along the way. And when you and I stay straight when we stay steady, whenever we stay on the spiritual route, whenever we continue to listen to Scripture, you know what's going on with us? Well, we are building a generational effect because others around us are going to be helped. When my wife and I married many years ago, uh, we were young and uh, we were just uh, growing in the Lord and we're still growing in the Lord. But at the same time, we've tried to have an influence on each other. We have tried to build each other and tried to be a support to each other. And we've done that all along the way with the rest of our family as well. And they, too, have been a blessing to us. So the generational effect, whenever you and I do what we ought to do, there is a positive impact from that that will trickle down. We talk about trickle-down economics. Well, there's trickle-down spiritual economics as well. Because when you and I do what we should— it will generate down into the next generation and the next and the next. And I'm thankful for that. Now, look at verse number 28. This is the verse that talks about how that the saints of God are preserved. Now, remember, when we're talking about a saint, we're talking about everybody that's saved. We're not talking about some super Christian. We're not talking about somebody that has been honored way above everybody else. In Bible terminology... A saint is a person who is saved. If you're born again, if you're a child of God, in God's eyes, you are a saint. And the Bible says here in verse 28 that the saints are preserved forever. And so this verse tells me about the promise of God to preserve us. Now, I understand I'm a sinner. I understand I have that old sin nature, that carnal nature. Just because I got saved doesn't mean that nature goes away. It means that I now have two natures. I have that old nature, and I have the spiritual nature. That's the reason why we still have struggles. That's the reason why some things come looming in your eyes, and you are tempted by it, because the old nature is still there. Now, if you feed the old nature, it's going to win, and it's going to become prominent in your life. You may be born again, but that old nature can still be having its way. But if you'll feed the new nature, that's why we talk about getting instructions from the Lord. That's why I encourage you all the time, go to church, be in church, be in a good church, be in a church where the Bible is honored, never doubted, but it's honored, and where the preacher stands up and preaches with authority. He preaches strongly. He preaches fervently. 
Let this be the place where you go and be sure that you're there, not just twice a month, but Sunday morning and again Sunday night and again at the midweek. Take in everything that your church has to offer and you will be feeding the new spiritual nature in the doing of that. And that is so important because every single one of us, we are preserved in Christ. The Bible tells us that. Many New Testament passages teach that basic principle. When you're born into the family of God, you are a child of God henceforth and forever. Now, children do misbehave sometimes, and that's when the old carnal nature rears its head. But if you and I will feed the spiritual nature, then the old nature will uh, just kind of sit in the background. It will not have the dominance that uh, sometimes you see people letting it show. So I'm just simply saying to you here, this preservation principle, it is a powerful part of the biography of the person who is walking with the Lord. If you and I had to get ourselves saved, none of us ever would be, because works can never save us. And if we had to keep ourselves saved, none of us could ever do it, because works cannot sustain us. We do not work the works of the Lord like we should do. We don't do that in order to be saved, but we do it because we are saved, and we do it because we are on our way to heaven, and we do want to serve the Lord, and we want to be in His will. But doing all of those things, including doing the will of God as best you can, will not get you to heaven. It's salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. When He died on the cross and arose from the grave, He made full arrangements for your salvation. He paid the whole price, and you simply need to accept it as a free gift and let Him work the work of regeneration in you. And if you'll do that, then you are set to begin the journey of the Christian life and building a biography. And this chapter, Psalm 37, tells us a lot about how to build that kind of spiritual biography. Well, look, it's time for me to go, but I'll be back here again tomorrow, the Lord willing, and look forward to spending some time with you. In the meantime, write me a note. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.